Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, today's part two of a series called It's Time. Let's also say that together. It's time. It's time for us all to get moving towards the life that God has for us. Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, most of us know what we should be doing. We're just not really moving towards what we should be doing. And I'm going to do my very best throughout the series to give you all little nudges to get you moving forward. And for those of you who don't know me, though, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits Church, alongside my wife, Beth. Uh, At No Limits, we're on this mission of making a difference in the lives of others. And we're on that mission together, and we want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. We want to help people discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live your best life, the life that God created for you. And this is a journey. You don't get there overnight, but Ephesians 3.20, what does it tell us? That God wants to accomplish amazing things through us if we'll just, what, take the limits off and come together and work as a team. So that's what we're after here at No Limits Church. But before I get into the message today, I want to take a moment and check in and see how things are going on your 21 days of prayer and fasting. Has anybody found fasting to be hard? Yeah, we got one that's going to be honest. Yeah. But in case you weren't here on Sunday, we did kick this off, 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something that we do together as a church every January. And it's basically, this is us as a church saying we're putting God first in our year. I send out a text reminder every day to encourage you guys along the way, so hopefully you've been getting those, with also a link to a prayer service by Church of the Highlands. So if you're like one of those people that's like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to pray for every day, I kind of run out of words, this prayer service by Church of the Highlands, I'll kind of walk you through that and help you out through the process. So if you want these text reminders and you're not getting them already, just text the word prayer to 918-373-9883, go ahead and pull your phone out and do it now, and you'll get those reminders. But prayer is all about getting closer to God, and then fasting is all about kind of getting culture off of you. It's kind of saying no to all those things that are holding you back, right? That's what fasting's all about. And when you put prayer and fasting together, you kind of get this explosion that makes a positive impact in your relationships and your work and really in every area of your life. And you're like, well, Kate, it sure doesn't feel like it's making a positive impact right now. It feels a little like a negative impact right now. Yeah, fasting's a little bit of a challenge, but it'll get easier. But Beth and I decided we're going to fast restaurants because we thought that, or I did, I don't know that she agrees with me, but I thought that restaurants have a little bit of a hold on, on us. Like, it was getting to the point where restaurants seemed like the only option for eating because we didn't want to cook or clean up or, or whatever. Because, you know, then having three small children makes all that stuff a little bit of a challenge. So anyways, after, over the next 21 days in this past week, like, we're eating at home. And we've ran the dishwasher probably more than we've ever ran it all year. Well, I mean, we're at the beginning of the year. All last year, we probably ran it more this last week. <laughs> But I heard from somebody else that they're fasting TV. Somebody else said they're fasting sugar. Like, there's all kinds of things that you can fast, all kinds of ways to fast. The, the key is to find that thing that has just a little too much control in your life and just to show it who's boss. You're still in charge. And listen, if you guys have already messed this up, if anybody in this room, I've messed up, don't give up. Today's a fresh start. Today's a new day. You can't change the beginning. You can't change where you messed up, but you can start now and change the ending. If you need to adjust your fast, adjust your fast. I know that some, some of us get a little gung-ho, we, we have all this emotion, we're excited to fast, and we make this promise that we can't really hold on to. So if you need to adjust that, go ahead and adjust it. But don't give up just because you messed up, let's keep moving forward. But this new series is called It's Time, because it's designed to get us moving. We all need to get moving, 
And the, the, the new year kind of gives us this like feeling like we have a fresh start, like we can do this again. And, but then most of us still end our years like in the same place that we started out on, but we didn't reach our goals. And here's how Henry Ford explains this phenomenon. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. And some of y'all are still making New Year's resolutions, even though you know they hadn't worked the past 20 years, and you still keep trying. Or you're just sitting there wishing that your life would be different, but you're not doing anything to make your life different. Like I said last week, beep, beep. The light's green. Let's get this car moving. And if you weren't here last week, you're kind of wondering what the beep, beep's about. Well, go listen, because you'll get a good laugh out of that. But through this story, or through this series, my goal is to give you those little nudges, those little beep beeps, get us moving. And here's how the Bible says it. Matthew 3, 2 says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the word repent kind of feels like a derogatory word, maybe a cuss word to some people. But it's really not. The word repent simply means change direction. Slam on the brakes, turn your car around, and burn some rubber in the other direction, right? Where's Brandon at? Because I knew he'd get that one. He must be out in the lobby. Yep. But um, notice this verse also says that the kingdom of heaven is near. Like you always thought it was far away. But the thing is, like once you turn that car around, like you'll find out, oh, he's right there. He's not far away at all. Like that's going to set some of y'all free because you thought you'd never make it. But you're going to make it. All you got to do is turn the car around. And he's right there. It's so good. Now, when I look around at Christians as a whole, like not just at our church in general, but like just the overall Christian population, there's kind of a missing ingredient in the Christian life. The majority seems to be like they're a little blue. They're a little down in the dumps. Like, and they're kind of carrying this little bit of depression around with them. And that shouldn't be. Because God promised us joy. And there's no reason that a Christian should be living without joy. Can I get a good amen to that? Do you guys agree with that? But you may be sitting there, yeah, thinking like, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Like, mine's worse than all the others. I have a reason to live down in the dumps. And you know what? If, if, you, if you told me about it, I'd probably agree with you. I'd be like, wow, that is, that's really bad. And it may even be worse than I thought it was. But has been, being sad about the situation, has that helped the situation? Has it moved you forward? Has it fixed the problem? No, it hasn't, and it never will. But even in the worst of the worst situations... Choosing joy is going to serve you, and it's going to lead you back to wholeness. Joy. Joy will do that. Sadness is going to steal from you. Joy is going to give to you, and it's going to help you. And I didn't come up with this on my own. It comes straight from the Bible in Nehemiah 8.10. It says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's time. It's time for the sadness to be over. It's time for the depression to be over. It's time to move forward into joy. And this isn't the joy that you have to muster up on your own. This is the joy of the Lord, which means it's a gift that God gives us, and we have to choose it to bring it into our lives. But just like any gift, you don't have to receive it. I figure this is probably a good time to tell on myself to illustrate this point. I've learned that most men are pretty good at focusing. Uh, we have this kind of one-track mind that allows us to zero in and, and get things done. I see some nods. But sometimes this gets us into a little bit of a mess, especially with our wives. Now, this conversation can go like many different directions, but we're going to keep it G-rated this morning. If you want a little more PG or PG-13, come back for our relationship series next month. It's going to be good stuff. But at our, house, at our house, we have a second story, and up in the second story, there's a bedroom, like a bonus room, and a bathroom. And that's the whole reason we bought the house. 
because I work from home and I wanted a space that was separate from like our living space. So that was like the perfect setup for my office. I work upstairs and we live downstairs. You may be wondering, well, what do you do, Cade? I'm actually a digital marketer, so all throughout the week I'm creating content, which kind of goes right in line with what I do here, preparing these messages. So I'm writing emails, creating messages, having a good time. Um, But whenever you work from home, you need this like separation between home life and work life. You kind of, so I can walk up the stairs, and it's like I'm going to work. That's the shortest commute ever, right? It's pretty awesome. But one day per week, Beth helps me out. And uh, it's really awesome. Like, she gets to work upstairs with me. She has a desk right next to mine, and it sounds like a fairy tale, right? Husband and wife working together. And it really is. Well, that, it, it is until I get into my focus zone. So there I am, like, zero in on my work, like, getting stuff done. And my lovely coworker starts asking unrelated questions. With each passing question, the joy, like, it disappears. And probably about the third question, I don't got no joy no more. And I keep my mouth shut so I don't say anything that I'll regret. But she can see it all over my face. She knows I ain't got no joy. And that's, that's really how the world sees it. Like, the situation, everything's got to be perfect for me to have joy in my life. But that's not God's joy. The world's joy, it fades away. But God's joy, it, it's there in every circumstance, regardless of what it looks like. The question is, like, where does this joy come from? The joy of the Lord. Well, I'm going to give you three answers that we can find in the Word of God, and then I'm going to give you, give you three practical ways to bring it into your life. So here's the first source of joy. And if you're taking notes, you can pull out those cards now and fill these in. Number one, joy comes knowing God has a plan for my life. So when you're going through a rough patch, but you know that God has a plan, you have joy because you're confident that He's going to work it out. I don't know how he's going to take this financial struggle and work it out for my good. And then a few years later, you find out that he uses that struggle to propel you forward in life. We sing it all the time. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. I mean, do we really believe that? Or do we just sing it? Because when you really believe it, you have joy in the midst of chaos. You have joy when your life looks like it's falling apart because you believe that God has a greater plan in all this. And here's the attitude we need to have. It's found in Psalm 16, 5. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So basically the psalmist is saying, God, you're all I need. Everything I need is found in you. You're the one that put me here in Owasso. That's what it means by the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Like, I'm right where I need to be. God has put me here on purpose, for a purpose. And I, and I get to enjoy this delightful inheritance. Like, what a blessing that is. And it goes on to say, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Not only am I in the right place at the right time, but God is right here with me, leading me and guiding me through everything that I do. And he's keeping me safe. Even when the world around me is shaking, I ain't going to shake because God's with me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. So why does he rejoice and rest secure? Because he knows that God has a plan for his life, just like we just read. And it doesn't matter what it looks like around him. It doesn't matter if the world's shaking. It doesn't matter if he has terrible circumstances. God's not going to abandon him, and he knows that. You make known to me the path of life. So some of you aren't here yet because you don't know that God has a plan for your life. You, what, what's that path? And that's, that's why we have growth track. And you all, it, it took quite a bit of effort for us to get growth track off the ground. 
and it takes quite a bit of effort to keep Growth Track going. But it's so worth it, and we wouldn't trade it for anything. And we put all this effort into Growth Track really for one reason. We want to serve you, and we want to help you realize that God has a plan for your life. Because when you realize that, then you can discover it and discover your purpose. And today's actually step two of the growth track, which is where you find out that you're uniquely designed. Like God gave you these gifts. He gave you these connections. He puts you in a certain place. And you're the only one that can fulfill what God has set out for you to do. You may feel like, oh, somebody else can do it. What I do is not that important. But you're the only one that can do it. And that's what you find out in step two of the growth track. But here's what happens when you discover God's plan for your life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This joy is available to you, and Growth Track will help you get there. But here's a quote that sums this up nicely by Kay Warren. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. And we've already touched on this second one, but here it is. Joy comes when I'm certain God will work it out. God's plan is good. He doesn't bring sickness into your life. He doesn't bring poverty into your life. He does not take your loved ones from you. But we live in a fallen world where we have free will, which means we're all going to make mistakes. And, and you guys know that uh, with everything that we do, it has a consequence. Like, you eat bad food, you get tired. You eat good food, you get energy. You push on the gas in your car, your car goes. You push the brake, the car stops. Everything we do has a consequence, and everybody understands that. But then we like to blame all of our bad circumstances on God, as if he brought them into our lives. As if he's the one who like brought, us, brought the tornado or, or caused us to run out of money or caused us to get taken advantage of. Not everything bad that happens though is because of your bad choices. Because sometimes our bad choices affect other people. And sometimes you just get caught up in somebody else's mess. So I say all that to say this. God does not cause bad things to happen in your life. But he does use those bad things to create good things in your life. He will. He does that. God takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for good. And I don't know how he does it, but he can do it with anything. Like, he can take your bad business decision, and he can turn it around to make your business more profitable. How does he do it? I don't know, but he can always do it, and we should always believe him for that. Beth and I went eight years of our marriage without having kids. We weren't doing anything to prevent it. That was not our plan, especially wasn't Beth's plan. So there's a lot of tears, and there's a lot of, of uh, praying and, and asking God for kids. But here we are. And we have three beautiful girls, and we realize that this, this is the right plan. We thought our plan was better when we were begging God for kids, but we realized that this is the right plan. And here's the mindset we should all accept. 1 Peter 1.8 says, You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. So we're, when we're in that season wondering, God, where are you? Like, it sure doesn't seem like you're here. We continue to trust him. And since we're trusting that he'll work it out, even through that trying season, we can have glorious, inexpressible joy. And I've told this story before, but some of y'all haven't heard it, so I'm going to tell it again because it's a good one. But there was this African king, and he had a friend who, regardless of what happened, like whether it was good or bad, he said, this is good. And so one day, the king and his, and his friend, they went hunting. And the, the friend loaded the gun for the king, but somehow he did it wrong, so the king went to shoot the gun, and it blew his thumb off. And the friend said, this is good. And the king said, this is not good. It actually made the king so mad that he threw his friend in jail. A year passed by, and the king went hunting in an area that he knew was dangerous, and he ended up getting captured by a group of cannibals. And so there he was. He was tied to a tree about to be their dinner, and they realized that his thumb was missing. And because of superstition, they wouldn't eat anything that wasn't whole. So they let the king go. And the king's mind immediately went to his friend, who'd been in jail for a year. 
So he went to his friend, told him the story, and his friend said, this is good. And the king's like, how, how can you say this is good after you've just spent a year, a year in jail? He said, because if you wouldn't put me in jail, I would have been with you. You see, people who believe that God's really going to work it out, they can maintain their joy even in a bad circumstance. Because they're confident in God, they know He can take anything, anything, and work it out for good. Anything. And here's another quote that sums this up nicely. Joy is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right. Some of y'all still looking at me like you'd rather wallow around in your mess than have this joy, though. You don't want that. I'm not saying your situation is bad. Like you could have the worst situation of anybody else in this room and God can take that and turn it around for good. And you know what? If you have the worst situation, that means you have the greatest opportunity for God to turn it around in a mighty way. So hold on to that. Choose to be confident that God's going to work it out. Because when you do, you can say hello to joy. Bring joy into your life. Here's a third way to bring joy into your life. Joy comes when I choose joy. All this time you thought joy was supposed to come to you, but that's not how it works. You got to go find it. If you've been sitting there waiting for joy to jump on you, it's not going to happen. If anything, joy is going to jump right off of you. That's how it works. So you got to go get joy. You got to tackle it to the ground and never let it go. And all throughout the Bible, you find that joy is a choice. It's your choice. It doesn't happen to you. No, you bring it into your life. Take a look at this. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. So you all have had those moments in your life where you've experienced some joys, right? But you need more than that. You need to rejoice. You need to repeat that joy over and over. Like some of y'all are going to walk out of church today with some joy, and then you're going to get in the car with those rowdy kids, and you're going to need to rejoice, right? (laughs) Or you're going to go to the restaurant, and the waiter's going to get your order wrong, and you're going to need to rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Why did he have to say it again? Because he already knew we forgot. Right? Joy is a choice that you make. You choose to come to Growth Track and discover that God has a plan for your life. That's your choice. You choose to believe that God's going to work it out. That's your choice. You choose joy. It's not going to happen to you. You got to happen to it. All right, I got to tell myself again. This is a good opportunity for this. I'm one of those people who can like walk into a room and quickly point out everything that's wrong. Like that chair is crooked or those two lights, they're not the same color temperature. Or the acoustic guitar, that was, it was a little loud in the mix this morning. Not really. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but this has given me the ability to create excellent environments, but it's made me not very fun to be around. And actually, I was so bad, like, several years ago that I pushed my dad, like, over the cliff. And I tell this story in Growth Track, but several years back when my dad was lead pastor and I was the worship leader, I was always telling him what we need to do better as a church. Like, we need to do this better. We need to do this better. And he, he took it like a champ for years before I finally, like, I pushed him off the cliff. And he sat me down and he had a conversation with me. And he told me how irritating it was that I always had to share my opinion. Like, why, why did I always have to point out what's wrong instead of celebrating what's right? My immediate thought to that conversation? He was wrong right? How, how could wanting things to be better be a bad thing? And then it wasn't like, I think it was the next day that the Holy Spirit, once I finally got quiet, my emotions calmed down. Because man, I, I left that meeting like angry crying. Like I was mad. Anybody else get to a point where you're so mad you're crying? And it was the next day the Holy Spirit said, 
you know, he's right. Excuse me? This was one of the most defining moments in my life, though. I used to believe that joy was reserved for when everything was perfect and everything was going right. But I now realize that joy is a choice, and it's much better to have joy along the journey than to save joy for a destination that may never come. And as a bonus, it turns out that people like you a lot more whenever you don't always point out everything that's wrong. And you choose to instead focus on what's right. Bonus! But what I want you guys to get today is a simple fact that it's time to bring joy into your life. It doesn't matter if you're like a reserved person or a serious person or, what, or whatever, however you classify yourself. Today's the day to bring joy into your life because you're going to choose it. You're going to choose joy. And I love how the Bible says it in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. This commandment that I'm commanding you today is not too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb to the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No. The word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Should have worn my Nikes today, but I didn't have any. But here's the deal. If you want to live, if you want joy in your life, just do it. Do exactly what the word of God has shown you today. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil. So you have a choice, and here's the right one. I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways. Keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God. Yes, this is the kind of life that I want. I want to live exuberantly, whatever that means. I mean, that sounds really awesome. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, refuse to listen obedient, and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. So if you choose not to obey the command that I'm giving you today of choosing joy, you're going to live, but it's going to feel like you're dying. And we all know what that feels like. So I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. When you choose joy, it doesn't just affect your life. It affects the lives of those around you. So choose joy. Let's go ahead and like burn that book where you've been writing that sad and depressing story. Go ahead and burn that, and let's open up a new book and start choosing joy regardless of the circumstance. And so now let me give you three ways to choose joy, and all three of these actually came from the Apostle Paul. You can read about his life in the New Testament, and you'll find that Apostle Paul really had a crappy life. Like it, it really wasn't that good. Like He was frequently beaten. He was frequently locked up in prison. He was even shipwrecked a few times. I mean, if anyone had a bad life, it was Paul. But... And there's a book in the Bible called Philippians that Paul wrote, and get this, he wrote it while he was in prison, and, and the, the book's kind of centered around joy. It's really interesting, but, but how could somebody with a horrible life have joy? Is that even possible? The Apostle Paul's like our ultimate example of choosing joy. He had joy not because he had a perfect life, but because he chose it. So let's take a look at how he pulled this off, and here's the first one. Choose to look beyond what happened. But instead of looking beyond what happened, most people, like to look, most people like to waller around in what happened. Like you sit there and you play that bad day over and over and over and over in your head. That person that hurt you, you keep thinking about it and chewing on it and talking about it. And this goes on day after day, month after month, year after year. But what would happen if you chose to look beyond what happened? Because here's the deal. You can't change what happened. It happened. 
So replaying that in your mind, it's not going to get you to anywhere that you want to go. So here's how Paul responded when he got locked up in prison. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. (laughs) This is what it looks like to look beyond what happened. Getting locked up in prison, yeah, that probably sucks. Hasn't happened to me, but look at what's going to come out of it. Paul wrote a big part of the New Testament that we still have today while he was locked up in prison. What can God do with your bad situation? He can make something good of it. And here's the next one. Choose to find new opportunities. When things don't go as you planned, just take a look around, because you're probably going to find an opportunity that wouldn't have presented itself otherwise. Take a look at how this happened for the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 1.14, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So Paul was like, hey, look, I get to be around people that I wouldn't have been around otherwise. I'm going to take this opportunity to inspire them to make an eternal difference in the lives of others while they're here in prison and when they get out. Like this, my, I have this great opportunity to be with these people every day, all day long. So can you imagine what life would look like if we all did this? Like if every time you were in a challenging situation, you looked around for a way that you could make a difference. Can you imagine what that would be like? Like this is what God's people should be known for, shouldn't it? And there's another layer of Paul's situation that might surprise you, because when he was in prison, he was getting all kinds of letters and comments about how the churches that he was a part of were kind of like falling apart and doing things wrong. And heck, I probably would have been one of those people sending those letters if my dad hadn't gotten a hold of me yet. But Paul didn't pay any attention to that negative nonsense. So you're going to have people in your life that try to get you all riled up. Like, did you all hear what President Trump did this week? Did you all hear what the Democrats are doing this week? Did you know that Cade went on vacation instead of using that money for the Lord? (laughs) Seriously, like the devil will try to get you off off track with all this kind of stuff. But you have to choose not to listen and instead choose choose joy. So the next time somebody tries to bring you a conversation like that, you say, "You you ain't stealing my joy, and then just walk away. Like that's how you fix that problem. Which brings me to the last way to choose joy, and that's choose to focus on what really matters. Take a look at how Paul responded to all of those negative letters I just talked about. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. Oh man, we can have a heyday with this one. Like we can start a big conversation right now about how the church down the street, they only want to have fun. They only want to fill their chairs. That's why they're doing what they're doing. So let's have, I mean, Christians love to bicker about stuff like that. But here's what Paul would say to everybody who's doing that. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. Wow, it sure seems like a big deal that there's preachers out there that are only doing it for fame or financial gain. Sure seems like a big deal. But Paul wasn't bothered by this. He knew how to focus on what really mattered. Is Christ being preached? Well, great. Everything's good. So if Paul wasn't upset about selfish preachers, then we shouldn't be upset like about loud music or who's speaking this week at church or the fact that there's a small group out there that meets because they all like to brew their own beer. <laughs> this didn't happen at our church, but it's, but, but it's really happened, y'all. Seriously. I was listening to a podcast this last week about a small group at a church in Florida that got together because they all like to brew their own beer. So there they were like, uh, like this impact, <laughs> we got a clapper over here. 
And what, what ended up happening is like a bunch of unchurched people showed up to try this great beer and then got introduced to Jesus as part of the process. And then five people out of this small group said, hey, this is a really good idea. So they started a business around this concept of brewing beer and then getting people together to form meaningful relationships. And get this, the business is thriving. It's doing really well. So if that messes with you, it does me too. Like I almost didn't listen to that podcast because I saw Christians and, and brewery in the same title. I was like, huh. But I'm really glad that I listened to it because it kind of, oh, maybe I had a little bit of a stronghold there, a little bit of religion trying to work its way into my life. Focus on what matters. Is Christ being preached? Awesome. I can't say that I'd ever start a small group of people who are interested in brewing their own beer because I don't drink beer. But hey, if they're doing it and Christ is being preached, awesome. So don't give up your joy for any reason. Don't give up your joy by criticizing what's going on. Don't do it. That's exactly the example Paul gives us in Philippians 1.15. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Beth and I have this conversation often. A problem comes up in the church, and as the leaders, we get to hear about it. Isn't that a privilege? But since I've been growing in this area, like my response is usually, you know, okay, it's not, it's not a big deal. We're going to work this out. And I really believe that. And, but sometimes Beth looks at me and she's like, Kate, you got to do something about this. I'm like, yeah, I will. But, but I don't have to give up my joy in the process. So let's all adopt this motto. Today, I choose joy. So go ahead and write that down if you're filling those out and then bow your heads because we're going to pray. God, we need your help. We thank you for your word and we thank you that joy is a choice and a gift that, that we can receive. Just kind of reach your hands out and open them. Just as a simple gesture to say, I receive joy today. I receive this gift. And maybe you're out there today and you kind of had this like aha moment. Like I've been living my life without God. and I don't want to do that anymore. Like today's the day I want to like put the stake in the ground. Like today's the day I'm going to live for God from now on. Well, we want to say a prayer with you. And when you pray this prayer, the, Jesus comes in and he makes you new. He washes away your past and he gives you this new life, this life that enables you to have this glorious, unexpressible joy. And because of Jesus, God's going to bring you into his family. And then you'll get the peace of knowing that you get to spend eternity with him. That's what happens when you make that choice. Hold this is a choice. You can't earn it. And anything you've done or will do can't take it away. So let's all say this prayer together. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I want you to lead my life. Forgive me for trying to live life without you. I want you to come in and make me new. Help me to find and walk out your plan for my life. I receive your joy. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for all the amazing life change that happened in here this morning. We thank you for the supernatural healing of emotions that happened this morning.
We thank you that we got to experience your presence in a great and mighty way. You've been so good to us. We exalt you and we lift you high as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We love you. Go ahead and give God some praise for everything he did this morning. God, we worship you. <laughs> You're the one who's working in our lives. Y'all, it's all God. We need his presence. We need those supernatural touches. Go ahead and take a seat for me. If you uh, prayed to receive Jesus for the first time today and you haven't been water baptized, that's your next step. Um, if that's something you want to do, we want to do that for you. The way you let us know is on our website. Go to nolimits.church and hit the next steps tab. And there's a whole section there on water baptism to help you understand it and to let us know that you're ready. And I want to take a moment to celebrate, because last year, in 2019, as a church, we were more generous than ever. That's something to celebrate. Our total income last year was 23% more than it was the year before that. That's incredible, y'all. And this, this enabled us to send $40,000 to outreach and missions throughout the year. That's so cool. And I'm a true believer that when we all come together and do our part, we'll never be lacking for the things that God has called this church to do. So thank you for your generosity, and I'm looking forward to us all taking that next step of generosity and seeing what we can do in 2020. If you came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. If you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hands for an offering envelope, and one of our ushers will get that to you. Um, or if you want to give using a credit or debit card, use the instructions on the screen behind me. If you're listening online right now, go ahead and type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar on your browser and hit that giving button. So let's go ahead and pray over our offering. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing through our giving. You're, you're working mightily through this church, and we're so honored to be a part of that. So we thank you that you're multiplying this in our lives, and you're multiplying it in our church, because that's what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.